Jay Drew joining us right now talking BYU football. A lot of stuff on the table for the Cougars. Now, let's begin with positive because that's who I am <laughs> since I left my newspaper days behind. I'm way more positive. I'm looking at strengths of this offensive football team, and I'll include the defense too, but start with the offense. Offensive line and quarterback, would you agree with me that those are strengths? Should be, yeah. Definitely. Um, there's little question about Zach Wilson if he's going to be 100% recovered by the time uh, fall camp starts as far as his, after having shoulder surgery in January. Everything I hear is that he should be. Uh, I think he's even doing some throwing already. Um, so that should solve that question. Jaron Hall looks like a pretty capable backup. I think he'll be the backup. Um, offensive line, uh, yeah, they they should be pretty set there. They got almost everybody back. Um, guys are, you know, a year older, bigger, stronger. And so, yeah, I would agree that should be the strength of the team. It seems like every year, though, we kind of maybe overhype the offensive line. I, I don't know why that is. They don't – they never seem to perform – up to expectations, especially running the ball against Power Five teams, that's always a problem. It was a, it be, you know, last year against Utah, you could kind of uh, point the meltdown was in the fourth quarter when BYU couldn't run the ball. They, and granted, they lost Matt Hadley, but they just they wore down. They just didn't take over the line of scrimmage, and Utah's defensive line just beat them up in that fourth quarter. I think you can point to that kind of lack of depth what or whatever or lack of ability to run the ball against i mean sure they can run the ball against mcneese state or whatever but uh, and they did against wisconsin which was kind of a surprise but to do that consistently you need a really good offensive line and i'm not 100 percent sold that they have that yet but they certainly have the the makings they've got james mp at center who's freshman all-american and Brady Christensen is uh, was a freshman All-American. is going to be good as well. Tristan Hodge is back at guard. Um, there's sort of a question about who's going to be uh, play that right tackle. Um, uh, I forgot the name of the guy they're replacing. They lost one guy and <laughs> escaping me already. He helped me out. Off no. the offensive line. Yeah, Austin Hoyt. Oh, Austin Hoyt. Thanks, thanks, Jake. Um, so they got Harris Lachance is battling there. Uh, it was, I guess if you look at spring ball, is probably the, the heir apparent there. So, yeah, I, I think the offensive line should be pretty good. I think they've got some depth there. And uh, uh, Keanu Salapaga is back. He was kind of a part-time starter. So they, they should be pretty good that, on the O-line. So let's uh, discuss you don't feel like the improvement has been made at receiver. Now, when we say receiver, because it's playmakers, uh, let's include the tight ends. Bushman had a very interesting, so far he's had an interesting career here at BYU. He came on strong uh, first year. Last year, not so much. And then in the bowl game, he was pretty good. Uh, Helped Mm -hmm. Wilson keep that uh, consecutive pass streak alive he reached over made a great play stealing the ball from a db so now you have pututau who's come came to byu with pretty good expectations and credentials but has found himself being injured more often than not and so with him there if he can get himself healthy 
can they do something there, maybe move Bushman outside a little bit, or what do you think can happen at the tight end? Yeah, I think they should be really good at tight end. They they did they have this position kind of like an H-back that they consider a kind of a hybrid tight end, uh, and they lost Dallin Holker. He went on a mission. But uh, they've got a kid, Darius McFarlane, that they really like a lot. He came to BYU as a, like a defensive lineman or whatever, and they've moved him over. So he's kind of in that fullback, hybrid tight end. He should be really good. I, I write a little thing for Athlon, and I, and I called him the rising star. I, they kind of want a guy that's maybe a lot of people don't know about, you know, how they are. And so, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of went with him and took a little bit of flack for it from some people. But, but I think he's going to be good. I think Bushman he struggled a little bit last year because they called on him to to block more than he did as a freshman, and he wasn't a great blocker. I think he's improved there. But like you say, Moroni Laulu Pututau should be healthy uh, after, you know, the Liz Frank injury cut a season short or cut it, missed his whole season two years ago. Then last season he got hurt in the Washington game and uh, with a knee injury. Uh, he should be back and, and good. So I think with those three guys, uh, they should be really good. And then they've got they've got quite a bit of depth. They got Nate Heaps, a uh, kid walk on from American Fork, who's uh, I think it's his cousin played in the NFL, Todd Heaps but from Arizona. Oh yeah, uh, yeah so yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. you know good bloodline. So they should be uh, they should be really good. They're still uh, you know. Uh, hurt a little bit when Joe Tukuafu uh, couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't make the cut and, and stay with the team. I, I he he was so good in spring ball, and then he was ineligible because of the hang-ups with USU granting the release and all that. Uh, but him not not making it last year, I think, really hurt him at that position. Kind of hurt their depth, but I think they're building back up, and I, I can really see Bushman having a really phenomenal year i think zach wilson looks for him a lot uh i think tanner mangum did as well and then uh you know when they had that kind of transition with with uh other quarterbacks at the end of uh bushman's freshman year and then and then the start of of his sophomore year they kind of went away from him so i i think he'll return and and be a real big factor yeah, because when you look at some of the great BYU teams, obviously the tight end has been a position that they've been actually able to have a distinct advantage. A number of guys, we can name them, almost an assembly line of tight ends. So it's imperative that they need that, particularly if they don't have enough skill on the outside. And you believe that's a little bit of a question mark. Yeah, I guess it's it's always going to be that way. They're just not going to be able to recruit the, the big time speed guys uh or at least they haven't shown that um i think uh gunner romney he had great accolades in high school he had great film in high school i've watched a lot of it and uh just didn't couldn't get healthy last year uh fully had some bright moments but i really think that that uh him and zach wilson can kind of you know they're in the same class they're both sophomores now i really think those two can put together two or three really great seasons kind of working together uh if he can stay healthy uh i really like aleva hifo i think he's a little bit kind of underrated as far as uh you know byu fans looking at their receiving core goes um and then uh, Micah Simon, he needs to kind of live up to the hype. They recruited him out of Texas, and he was a captain last year. And I, I think it's 
kind of time for him to take off. Talon Shumway is a pretty solid guy. He's just not a big burner, not a guy that can get open deep, but kind of one of those possession receivers that BYU has used a lot in the past and, and could have a role. So, yeah, I think they'll be good. I think they've got a couple freshmen coming in that they signed out of the San Diego area, and I just I don't have their names in front of me, but but uh, talking to Fessy Sataki in spring, he said some of these guys are going to be able to, yeah, Javel Brown and uh, uh, yeah, Luke Andrada, the speedster, speedster out of Colorado. from Colorado. Yeah, huh? so what I, you, I think, saw on Twitter, think, man, yeah. he run a two point four forty or something, and he's yeah. blowing guys away left and right. So, Smaller, yeah, I dude. think uh, if those guys pan out, maybe they can give them the speed that they'll need. You didn't mention uh, Neil Powell. Yeah, Neil Powell is another one that's uh that's Big kid. Big kid. He could almost put on a few pounds and, and help out at tight end if, you know, if they wanted to go that way. Looks a lot like Laulu Pututau. And, uh, yeah, he's I always forget him for some reason. But he is, he is a guy that definitely will have a role. I expect, see if you do too, in conversations that I've had with some folks that they are going to throw the ball more, that there was a, a desire last year to throw the ball more, uh, but, you know, as a freshman quarterback at the end of the season there. Uh, and you, you mentioned how historically uh, getting a 100-yard back against P5 teams is difficult for BYU. I remember years ago, 2006, they made a big deal that Curtis Brown – ran for over 100 yards against Oregon in the Vegas Bowl because, as you say, I think uh, somebody did a story on it that there just there hadn't been a tradition of very much of getting 100-yard rushers against uh, those types of teams. And we know right off the bat, you know, they're playing four immediately, and then you look at some of their group of five. You know, you're playing Utah State and Boise. They're two of your better group of five teams, and – South we'll Florida see, we'll is see no about South Florida, yeah. Toledo's so. supposed to be the best team in the MAC. So, yeah, so usually some, the best yeah. team in the MAC is halfway decent. Yeah. So obviously they're going to have some rigid competition along the way, uh, and one of the ways to beat that if you're having a struggle running the ball is to throw it. So I'm expecting, and Zach Wilson has proven mobile. You know, he had that great run to set up what should have been the winning touchdown against Boise, but they tripped all over themselves inside the five yard line. Uh, but with him being back, assuming he's at full strength, I'm expecting them to be able to have success more through the air. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think I think they're going to be able to protect him really well. And uh, he's got that thread of uh, being able to run. Uh, you know, the problem with Mangum last year is just wasn't a running threat. And so when they were running that. Uh, fly sweep and the option and the jet sweeps and the things like that. Defenses really didn't have to worry about Mangum tucking the ball and, and running it, and they certainly do with with uh, Zach Wilson. I remember having a conversation with Aaron Roderick in spring, and and he just said, you know, when I was up at he didn't call him Utah. He said when I was at the team up north, we uh, we we ran our quarterbacks a lot. And I like running our quarterback. And he said, Zach Wilson's going to run a lot. He's, so that would be gonna, Tup then, team up north? T- I, or Tun. No. T- oh, T-U-P. T-U-P. Oh, well, no, up north, north you got to throw the N in there. T-U-N. Okay, Tun, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. But I get you, Tup, same thing. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, um, so he just said, you know, we've got 
we've got a guy behind him, Zach, you know, that we feel like is kind of an insurance policy, and Jaron Hall, and then they also got Joe Critchlow. So uh, I think that that should open up the passing game as well if uh, to give him that added element. But I also think that Jeff Grimes, I think he likes that kind of pound-the-ball more mentality and big offensive line and stuff. So there might be a little give and take between him and Aaron Roderick because I, I think for sure Aaron Roderick wants to throw the ball more as, for, as, as the passing game coordinator. Right. I think that and you're dealing with an offensive lineman and Jeff Grimes and those guys tend to want to dominate the line of scrimmage and the way you dominate the line of scrimmage is not through finesse. It's just beat you guys down and we'll turn around and give our running backs the ball. And if you can do that, great. I mean, that's the Kyle Whittingham style and it's if you have that opportunity to do that, it works tremendously and you can get that done. But if you don't, then one of the ways, or if you can't do it consistently, certainly one of the ways is to throw the ball. And it looks like I agree with you. I, I spoke to Dylan Colley a couple of weeks ago, and I remember after the Western Mission game, he stood out on the podium in typical Colley fashion. <laughs> they're bold, they make definitive statements, and then they don't back down if they believe they're right. And I've got no problem with that. And he said he thought that Zach Wilson could be as good as anybody or better. And so he made that statement. I remember like, wow, man, this is an, another Colley bringing it strong. And so then uh, a few weeks back, I talked to him. And I said, hey, you've had some time to reflect on that statement. Uh, where do you stand on it? Still stand by it. <laughs> Absolutely believe it's the truth. I know I took heat for it, but I believe it's the truth. And I'm a little gun-shy, though, because I've seen guys perform well as freshmen at quarterback. Heaps performed well. Tanner performed well. And then they don't follow it up. Now, I saw Zach Wilson perform well. And he's 18 for 18 in my mind. Granted, it's only Western Michigan, and the competition immediately takes a huge bump compared to that. But I am expecting him to be pretty doggone good, even though I've seen others not live up to the hype. You buying it? I am because everything you hear about Zach Wilson is his work ethic, his football junkie, just in the film room constantly, always wanting to get better. Like Dylan Cauley said, all his teammates have said, even coaches have said, they've never been around a guy that was so dedicated to improving than Zach Wilson. So I I, I think he will. I, I, I'm i aware of that kind of that sophomore jinx that a lot of these guys you just mentioned haven't been as good right. in year two. I know that's, I know you know, you got to consider that. But I, I think Zach Wilson might be able to break the mold just because, this guy ain't going to go get married. He's not going to go on a mission. He's not. I'm not knocking those things, but this guy is dedicated like no guy I've ever seen at BYU okay. to, to his craft. So, All right, very good. When we come back, I want to talk about where BYU is as a football program now as it tries to negotiate being an independent in the land of conference affiliation. So stay with us. We'll get to that next, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Jay Drew, the Salt Lake Tribune, joining us. BYU football. Where do you put it at as it tries to navigate and stay, I don't know if the word is relevant, but just trying to stay pertinent in the land of conference affiliation, particularly with the Utes being where they are. Uh, What is the vibe around the program? Is it something that is gaining momentum? Is it stagnant? What is it? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it's gaining some momentum. I I think uh, this is kind of a, and I said this last year, but this is a crossroads year for Kalani. His his record is right around five hundred, give or take a game or two. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he, as everybody knows, he's he's uh, signed a five year contract. I don't know if everyone knows that, but I. I figured that out and he's had three years most schools when a coach is entering the final two years they begin negotiating and they usually if they're going to extend them that's what they don't wait till the last year is what i'm saying right so you would think that if byu wanted to extend him it would be right now maybe media day in two weeks would be a good time to announce that but byu doesn't do things like other schools do and I've been told that by very many people close to BYU administrators. And Tom Homo was actually asked that at the roundtable we had with him in January, I think it was. And he kind of poo-pooed it, but he literally said, we're not like everybody else. We do a certain way, and we've done it this way for so many years, and we're going to continue to do it. So that puts your coach at a real disadvantage. And I think it, where it, where it hurts them is in recruiting i think kalani and i've heard this from other assistant coaches that that is an issue that uh, recruits are starting to ask hey is kalani going to be here if i sign on with byu is he going to be here in four or five years and they don't have that backing of a of a contract extension to say yes he will be ironically dave rose signed one last november and everyone thought he was staying and he didn't but I've been told that a lot of that was just done for recruiting, to, for recruits, just to assure recruits that the, the program was solid and stable. Um, as far as relevance goes, it's, I mean, there's just no getting around it. I tell people this all the time. Utah going to the Pac-12 was a horrible thing for BYU. It just was. They could paint it however they want, but it just really hurt the football program as much as any other program there not in term not only in terms of losing recruits to utah but also they made the decision i think it was a good one at the time to go independent and uh i think scheduling wise i think independent independence has been okay and maybe even uh, i know the november schedules aren't great but it may be even i mean this is a great home schedule they got this year. Finally, yes. So finally, you know, Tom Homo said it would take a couple of years. It's right. maybe taken a little longer than that, but it's a great home schedule. It is. And, uh, and you know, even, they've even got some pretty good games. I think they got San Diego State in November. Sure, that's fine. Utah State. Utah State. Right November's fine this year. Yeah, yeah. You got Utah State and San Diego State. Right. I think they Both away, around. but... Uh, right. I think it's offset by the, the three biggies you got coming into your stadium in USC, Utah, and Washington. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're kind of at a crossroads, the whole program. I think they're really waiting out the uh, the whole deal where there might be another big realignment landscape shift in 2023 when a lot of television contracts are up. Uh, speaking of which, I think this deal with ESPN – uh, I've been kind of working on a story, trying to ask around a lot of people where this is. You would think they would have uh, come out with a new agreement because 2019, it ends with ESPN. You would have thought by now they would have announced something. Maybe that's another announcement they'll have on Media Day. Who knows? BYU people tell me that 
hey, don't worry about it. We're talking. We've got a good relationship with ESPN. You know, everything's good. And we're uh, they've been a great partner and on and on. But still, you just kind of wonder why is it why is it taking this long to to extend that agreement? And uh, it's not only the television agreement; it's also the bowl agreement. That so there's kind of two. It's kind of a two-sided deal that BYU has with ESPN, and they're kind of negotiating both separately. But um, but I think it's huge for BYU if they lose this. If ESPN kind of sends a message that they don't maybe want to be kind of linked with them, then I think that's a setback for the program. Right, I would agree with that. But I would think that that ESPN is looking for programming and BYU does provide programming and it does provide solid numbers because they do have a following. And so I don't know yeah. about the financial situation. Maybe they have to take a little bit of a hit there, but I would think there would be that connection. But you listen, and Bronco Mendenhall was a strong... Lonnie is not as strong because I don't think he... that he has to worry about by the time go that direction and then Bronco can talk about being in a, in a conference he had won multiple conference titles he had won bowl games he had won you know, 43 games in four years so he had a lot of built in <clears throat> credibility I don't think Kalani has that he needs to worry about winning games winning games now so he can't be as outspoken but Bronco went to great lengths to saying this program has got to get in a conference and over the long term independence is not sustainable and we beat this into the ground but the reality is it's true it's a short term solution now the, the parameters of short term remain undecided but as each year goes by I don't know that I can say that there's a little bit of a decay, but I do have a concern each year. And so where are you at as far as as each year goes by, the urgency of them getting to where they all want to be? And I certainly want that for them to be where they I think they deserve to be in these power five conferences, at least in the discussion. Yeah, I've I I wouldn't argue against that. I think they deserve to be in one. I I don't know that it'll ever happen. However, that said, I don't think the Mountain West is the answer. Why not? I well, not the answer, not the answer, but a better solution than what they are now. No, I think independence. No. Okay, I would I would argue independence right now would be better than the Mountain West. I think if they go to the AAC, we're just talking about football. Obviously, if, if well, the, the Mountain are West follow either way, right, right, but uh, and I think the Mountain West and basketball would be better for BYU, certainly. But and one of the reasons is a lot of people might disagree with me is because you don't have to deal with Gonzaga every right, year, right, right. Gonzaga is going to win the league every year. There, there's just no question about it. And so if it's a one bid league, BYU ain't going to the You're big out. dance. You're out. Yeah. So. That was uh, I made that argument when Gonzaga was threatening to leave. I was like saying, I know that the WCC would take a major hit, but BYU's chances of going to the NCAA tournament would probably improve oh, no a lot, question. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, getting back to to uh, as far as if they be, are they better now than to be in the Mountain West? I I think they are. I think they get they would have a better television contract as an independent. I think they have. Uh, more scheduling freedom, and um, I don't know. I the Mountain West just doesn't 
it, without Utah, without TCU, it's not the Mountain West that people have, you know, thought no, about. No, it wasn't the. It wouldn't be the Mountain West that it was when they left. But the idea, and you were there uh, playing. It's it's when you played in the Patriot Stadium. Well. In Nobody showed of, up, man. Yeah, Ten thousand people, and so you drive, uh, fly across the country. I, I I like the idea of independence. I mean, obviously, I like the idea of the Big Twelve better. Yeah. But until you're extended an invitation to the Big Twelve, it's not going to happen. I would like to see them, if they're going to stay in this independent model. And I agree with you. At the time that they did it, it was, it was an absolute no-brainer. They had to do it. They were getting no exposure whatsoever on that mountain deal, and your rival there is going to get all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all tons of exposures. You had to do something. So they did what was feasible at the time things have changed so much now that in the eight nine years since they've been gone that i would like to see them instead of doing these umasses and some of these middle tennessees and whatnot find a way to coax these mountain west teams into playing you yeah so uh, have both right and i i think they're moving to that direction i mean obviously they play boise state and they play utah state they, they just did a deal with San Diego State. They got Wyoming coming up. Um, I don't think Air Force will ever play them again. I think Air Force was one of those schools that just said, you know, we're, they were pretty Screw irritated. you. Yeah. <laughs> New Mexico is probably in that same boat. New Mexico is clamoring. Well, Vegas. But, but, but Vegas, UNLV's playing them. Right. And so what is that, seven or eight, uh, you know, of the former teams? Hawaii. Um, Hawaii's playing them, the San, San Jose State, some of the, you know, Fresno State. So they really are playing a lot of Mountain West teams. And I have no problem with that. Yeah. Play your big schools that you play early and then augment augment it with as many Mountain West teams as you can. But then you're asking conferences to break up their conference schedule by throwing in a, you know, a non-conference game, a you know, Utah did it last year. It was kind of awkward right before the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, yeah, I know that was set up. But the way before. it, the way that works uh, with the Pac-12 with Notre Dame right. on two weeks of the year being the 13th team in the conference, you're going to need a 14th team because Notre Dame is always going to play SC and Stanford, and they're going to rotate. They're going to play one at home and then one on the road at the end of the year and just switch. Need. Is play wherever you play early, play as many Pac-12 and Mountain West schools as you possibly can every year. Yeah, I would. I I think that's probably what they would prefer to do. But um, you know, if you look at kind of what they promote, it's this whole we've been to every time zone in the country. We screw that. On t- I know, but that's I that's don't care a big deal to them. I I, I think that's they, stupid. Yeah, uh, don't don't do that. Play as many local so-called regional teams as you possibly can. That will get your fan base excited. Bringing Wyoming in here in November is way better than flying over to UMass. Oh, I totally agree. So make it happen. I'll do my best. (laughs) 